Thank you for pressing play on episode 145 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and for this episode, I had the pleasure to speak with Dax Nielsen, current drummer for the band Cheap Trick. We talk about his drumming influences, music that he grew up listening to, and becoming the drummer of Cheap Trick for the last decade and a half. Got to see him a few times on the road and even bumped into him back in December at the Alice Cooper Christmas Pudding Show, which actually prompted me to reach out to him and ask if he'd want to be a guest on A-Sides. Cheap Trick are a touring machine, and even just after we wrapped up recording this episode, they announced some tour dates with Heart this year. So visit CheapTrick.com for all of their tour dates. Thank you again to Dax. Hopefully you enjoy episode 145 of A-Sides. Look, it's rock and roll! And cue music. Thanks for doing this and like making time to chat because I know we were like trading messages back and forth. It's a bit hectic when you're like you tour as much as I do, and then the holidays, and then my wife and kids all got sick when we were supposed to do this the first time. So, oh yeah, I didn't even realize too when I messaged you the one time that you were actually playing a show. Yeah, we do about a hundred plus shows a year. So, if I'm not on my couch, I'm I'm doing a gig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and it was actually. I had approached you, I guess, at the Alice Cooper Christmas pudding yeah. like a month ago. Yeah. I thought at first that you might have just been in the area to see the show, but then I was looking up later, and you actually are based in Phoenix now, right? Yeah, I moved here about two years ago. I, I didn't make a big uh, social media splash about it because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, everybody. So I just tell people as I see them, yeah, we moved here about two years ago and absolutely love it. There's a ton yeah. here. Hiking and the weather's here, and then I become friends with Alice Cooper, so <laughs> kind of in his circle. We golf all the time now, and you know, <laughs> I go to see tons of my friends are on tour. Every every musician comes through Phoenix at some point to play a gig, so yeah. you know, it's just it's it's been a great move. You mentioned hiking. Like, have you hiked Camelback Mountain yet? Many times, and uh, yeah. what's that? Uh, with Powaska Peak. It, I think it used to be called Squaw something, but they, I think they changed the name to Powaska Peak or something like that. Depends if, if, if I'm trying to be intense, we do the, the big ones like Camelback or um, the other, there's a million out here, but if we bring the kids, there's a ton for that too. You, you know, 35, 40 minute hikes that aren't too too hard for little guys. Yeah. Um, I did one, because uh, I go out there because uh, I got an aunt and uncle that live out there, so that's how I was able to attend uh, the pudding. But there's one that I forget the name of, but I don't know if you've been on it, but I think it's just basically all, like, steps. That might be po- – I'm saying the name wrong, sorry. But, <laughs> yeah, that might be – like, at the very end, you have to use your hands, too. Like Yeah, yeah. 
not just like walking leisurely. At some point, it's like almost vertical. It's, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, it was intense. <laughs> yeah, I try. I try to do it. You know, when, when I'm off the road, I try to stay in shape or get in shape, whichever one comes first. So golfing and then obviously hiking and stuff. But what other kind of hobbies do you have away from music? Well, you know, um, I like to exercise. So I, you know, I, today I rode my bike for about an hour. There's a lot, tons of trails here. I always tell people, kind of jokingly but truly, is that music was my hobby that became my job, and it's still my hobby. You know, so you know, I have a studio here at the house, and I have, you know, I got the kids a keyboard for Christmas, and. I've got six or seven guitars around the house and just, you know, if I'm not listening to music, I'm playing it or I'm trying to be outside oh, just, cool. you know, just kind of keep moving and, and keep practicing or learning, you know, I guess, like you said, you're in a good area for it. Cause here where I'm at in Illinois, it's like two degrees. So I can't really well, get outside right now. I lived in Illinois for basically 20, geez, 29 years besides college and yeah. did about six years in Los Angeles in my twenties. But uh, when I got the cheap trick gig in 2010, I moved back to Illinois for 12 years and then moved out here in 22. So I was going to ask if you um, grew up here. Um, so obviously, yeah, yeah. I live in, I, I grew up in Rockford, Illinois till I was 18 and I went to college for about a year and a half or two dropped out to, because I wanted to be a musician instead of getting a degree in some kind of business or whatever. Moved back to Illinois for a bunch of years until 2004, Los Angeles for six years then Nashville for one and then cheap trick got you know i got that gig and then moved back to illinois and t- for about 12 years and then arizona now so i'm kind of been all over the place really yeah really speaking of doing gigs recently i even saw i think it might have been like last weekend you were playing it was called joey song the epilepsy yeah. benefit absolutely yeah i've done that for two years in a row now it's this okay. really really great epilepsy benefit I wouldn't say it's focused on children's epilepsy, but you know that that was the the way the cause started. Is the guy that started it? His name's Mike Gamal. Uh, his son died from epilepsy, and so he started a foundation. And um, he loves music, so he just kind of I don't know how many years it's been now, probably six or seven or eight. I couldn't tell you exactly, but um, it started out small with some local musician friends he knew in the Madison area, Chicago. I think the first gig was around Chicago, but there, it's it's Madison based. And every year it just kind of grew and grew and anybody that did the gig wanted to come back next year. And, you know, like I said, now I'm on, I'm two years in a row now and I'll, I'll definitely do it next year if I'm not touring. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with it. And then I saw it pop up in your story and it looked like a good organization. It really is. And I've, I've kind of become one of two house drummers. It's, it's Butch Vig, the, you know, giant producer that produced Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins yeah. and Foo Fighters. He's the drummer for Garbage. He does about half of it, and I do the other half. So I get to play with all kinds of different bands. I got to do last year and this year about six songs with Portugal the Man, oh, and then a bunch of um, a bunch of other artists. That come. A lot of a lot of people come in. Um, they're like the singer for a band, but, so they don't bring the band with. So we, there's like a house band that they get to that does their songs with them. Just kind of streamlines it because if if you, you know, if everybody brought an entire band, it would take forever to switch things around. So it's kind of same structure then as the Cooper. Yep, yep exactly. Yeah, they had that really great band from Nashville. They, they played 40 different songs or something like that. And yeah. Nailed every guitar solo and all the harmonies. It was cool. Yeah, really. It is kind of like amazing. And then like all the kids that play too from, mm-hmm. from his mm-hmm. uh, organization, they have like a battle of the bands. Yeah, that's that. great. I mean, it's just great to see because, I mean, we were all young kids at some point playing instruments and, you know, some of us have been fortunate to make it a career, but 
to see when you see the young people still playing guitars and drums and you know what and singing versus just making music on a laptop or just not even playing music at all it's 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 inspiring and it, you know, it just really says that no matter what kids want to you know will always play music hopefully <laughs> might be a silly question but did you always want to do that since you were a kid did you want to be in a band pretty much i mean i grew up in a musical family my dad's the guitar player for cheap trick so i grew up watching those guys a lot and then i had my first band when i was 12 my second band when i was 14 my third band when i was 17 and never yeah so i've never really looked back since being a kid like a tiny kid you know obviously not everybody's fortunate enough where it actually works out and so there was always kind of a backup plan but like I said, I went to college for a little bit, but I dropped out because this is what I always wanted to do. And luckily it's worked out for over 20 years for me now to yeah. pay my bills playing music. Yeah, I even saw like not just like even like Cheap Trick, which you've been a part of now, but I think I saw on your website you played with like Dick Dale. Like, oh, yeah, the king of the surf guitar. Yeah. <laughs> played with him for two or three years. Yeah. And then used that and, you know, for a while and then uh, played for Brandy Carlisle who's huge now, but you know, when I was playing with her, she was on her second album and not unknown, but you know, was definitely playing to 500 people or maybe, a, maybe a thousand on a great night where she was, you know, big in a certain area, but now she's, you know, she'll sell out Red Rocks three nights in a row and she's won like 700 Grammys <laughs> or something, you know, been all over the place, you know, surf guitar, rock old guys, and then, you know, younger singer songwriter, females, classic rock bands, you know, and I love playing metal, so I, I kind of do it all, hopefully. What kind of music then did you grow up with? Was it always rock or like was that kind of your um, genre? Yeah. When I was younger, I mean, I really loved you know, starting. I mean, I liked music, too. But when I really got into music was probably like when I was 10 or 11. And that's when, in my opinion, besides like the, the 60s and 70s, the best year in my generation was 91 when Pearl Jam, Metallica's Black Album, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic came out, you know, Soundgarden came out, and the whole grunge era kind of started, you know, Pantera came out, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, I would say harder rock, you know, grunge meets Metallica, Pantera, and then eventually, kind of, I always joke that my feet were never fast enough to play double bass, so I, I kind of realized I had to go to like ACDC, and then... That kind of lent itself towards the Beatles and, and Zeppelin and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I started out more of a, a, a more of a hard rock guy. I still love just you know my feet aren't fast enough to play you know with Slayer. So. <laughs> <laughs> What was your first record then? Was it one of those bands from 91? No, the first album I, tr I tried to buy with my own money, my mom took me to Apple Tree Records in Rockford, Illinois. I tried to buy George Harrison's Got My Mind Set On You, and George Harrison's from the Beatles, and it was one of his solo efforts yeah. that I loved. It was a really great video, and it had a bunch of taxidermy on the walls, you know, like 
<laughs> animal heads, but they all, they're all the, the mouths were moving along with the song. And I don't know, I was like a, a 10 year old kid, 12 year old kid. It was like the video made me laugh and the song was great. So she wouldn't let me do it. She's like, Oh, that's like an old guy. You wouldn't want that. So I ended up buying, um, EMF, you're unbelievable. That was so. That was my first album I actually bought was EMF. <laughs> <laughs> I think George Harrison um, lasted a bit longer, held up a bit better. Isn't that too like right before, uh, like the Traveling Wilburys? It's like that same yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah same yeah. kind of. Which I mean, got Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Jim Keltner on drums, George Harrison, and Roy Orbison. So man, I'm gonna have to go back to and look up that. Got my video you up. just mentioned, yeah, because I remember that era. I was I was later than you, but I remember that being on the radio. I think the same era was what that Bobby McFerrin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. How old are you now? I'm actually going to be 40 on Sunday. Okay, so you're my. I'm, I'm 43. We're the same age, basically. We grew up with MTV. You know, you just yeah. got home and put on music for the rest of the day. That's all I did. You know. It would just play music videos all day. I mean, people these days don't understand what that concept means, but, <laughs> but MTV stood for you know, music television. You would just put on MTV and it, like just you'd be introduced to every single band, whether it was Madonna or Metallica, you know, like anywhere in between. They just played music videos. So you just got to be able to like learn about new bands and you know, a lot of the older bands started making videos. So you get reintroduced to stuff like that. It's just great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that too, I was even going back like with a buddy. He's also turning forty this year, so like we kind of came up with something silly. We were gonna make a playlist of forty songs, one for each um, year. And so it was. It was kind of like a big memory trip going back to like eighty five, eighty six. And I'm like, oh man, I remember these, but I was like in a playpen. Yeah. Then, yeah, but I mean, still, you were born, you were alive, so you yeah. probably heard it while you were sleeping in your yeah. parents' house. <laughs> in the car I got my mind set on you I got my mind set on you I got my mind set on you got my mind set on you I wanted to ask you too about Cheap Trick and even it kind of ties into that era cuz obviously I kind of wasn't aware of all the bands in that era in the 80s you know cuz I'm young and I'm growing up and I'm just kind of seeing what's on MTV like Cheap Trick wasn't like really on my radar until like much later, right? Because uh, I grew up kind of like we said with the MTV videos, grunge in the '90s, and then even like I was in high school with new metal, right? Right. And it's kind of interesting. So like to me, all of these friends that I started like making when I would go to shows or like talking to people online and people in my area, everyone loves cheap trick it's like a common thing even doing this podcast like there's people in metal bands people in alternative bands everybody loves cheap tricks so i guess where i was going with this roundabout way is i was going to ask you what do you think the appeal for cheap trick is i mean just great songs really um and they they're kind of chameleons they've got ballads they've got you know pop songs and they've got heavy songs they've got dark songs they've got happy songs yeah i mean and just the fact that they kind of got really popular in the late 70s and then kind of fell off of popularity for a bit and then got really popular in the late 80s and then kind of fell off a bit and then kind of got popular again in the 90s. You know, they've kind of had just waves. So like every generation has a memory. You know, the older people remember the live album Live at Budokan that came out in the late 70s. And then the people, you know, born in the 70s were too young for that maybe. But then The Flame came out in 87, 88, and 
to them that was their favorite song when they were in high school and they went to prom kissed their girlfriend at prom to the the flame you know so that's just like these core memories but i just think i mean i've got they've got 20 albums out now 20 studio albums so there's i mean there's at least 200 songs on those 12 out al- or on 20 20 albums so there's something for everybody i would think you know i just I, and you know you grew up in illinois so they're probably you know there's them and the smashing pumpkins and maybe like sticks and Ario speedwagon but there's only a handful of really popular Illinois bands. So yeah. you know, I think it's just kind of that Midwestern thing that we got going on. I think it kind of is what you're saying too, the different eras and like the phases. I remember like the flame, but it's not really kind of even their sound or something. No, like once you kind of peel back and you go deeper, there's, yeah, you said there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I mean, their first album's really dark. And then the second album's a bit more poppy. Third album's more rock and roll. And then, you know, from that, from there, you know, you could go anywhere, you know, pick an album and it's like, oh, wow, that was a different sound. I love ACDC more than anything in the world, but they sound like ACDC all yeah. the time. Whereas Cheap Trick, you know, kind of grew and, you know, and, and changed shapes throughout the throughout the decades. Joining, I guess, like a legacy band, I guess you'd call it, was it intimidating to kind of come in after it had already been established? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I never thought I'd be in Cheap Trick. Um, you know, I, I had played with them when I was in my early 20s, 20. 21 i filled in on drums for three months the drummer had to have back back surgery and my band was opening for a cheap trick at the time um i had a band with my brother and we played peoria all the time at sops oh yeah sops yeah we even even played big al's one time that was fantastic (laughs) and so we were on tour opening for cheap trick all summer and at one point the drummer his back was killing him and he, he decided to have back surgery so i filled in the rest of the summer, maybe a month or so. And then years went by and, you know, I, I filled in for one show here, one show there occasionally, just if something needed, you know, a sub and then just never thought about it and went on with my own career for, de- you know, over a decade plus. Yeah. And then just, you know, got, got the call one day to help out. And 14 years later, I'm, I'm still helping out, you know? So um, it was, it was daunting, but at the same time I, I had played with them here and there over the years, and I, you know, grew up with the music. So, you know, if Pearl Jam called me when I was, you know, 30 years old, and said, "Hey, we need, you know, something happened to our drummer. Can you be here in three days?" It would have been nerve-wracking. You know, <laughs> I'd have to learn. I mean, I love Pearl Jam, but I would have had to learn 60% of the of the set list, you know, from scratch, which would be a lot harder than songs that I'd heard growing up my whole life. So, that was that helped a lot. You know, it didn't I didn't get too freaked out and. Like I said, I, I didn't know that I was going to be with them for as long as I have. I thought it was just, you know, fill in for a month like I did before. And I can do that and didn't think too much about it and just kept <laughs> kept going. So here we are. I guess you're really not just, as you said, helping out. You got writing credits. Uh, yeah, yeah. On I mean, I've, done, I've done four albums with the guys now. We At one point, we put out three in two years, which was just pretty insane. <laughs> it's kind of, they used that's how they used to do it back in the 70s, just, you tour and you make an album and you tour some more and you make another album because you got all this material. And so, you know, we, we, the band had a lot of material, 
old and new, you know, stuff that they'd written that never got recorded or a lot of stuff we wrote from scratch and, you know, in the 2000s, you know, they're a live band, but they, they still write a lot. So when you're a musician and that's what you do, not only for money, but you do it because it's what you love, you know, why wouldn't you record an album? Just probably, you know, nobody sells a lot of albums these days, no matter what, just with free music the way it is. So you have to do it because you want to. And, you know, yeah. putting out new music helps you to go, when you go on the road, you get to play some songs in the set list that you weren't playing before. And it gives fans something to look, oh, I love that new single off the new album. I hope they play it tonight, you know. But I also hope they play stuff from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Just think it's been cool to, you know, be a part of creating new stuff with those guys. It's been really fun. Speaking of learning the songs and how you said you'd have to like, if you were called to go play with Pearl Jam, you have to learn all the songs. How do you do it with Cheap Trick? Because it seems like you guys are always changing the set list every single night. Yeah, every single night. Absolutely. I have a master sheet of probably, I think I've done over 200 songs with those guys at this point. Definitely over 100. Um, we did we did four nights in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. And we did four nights and only repeated like the three or four big hits. You know, I want you to want me to surrender dream police in the flame. Everything else, there was no repeats. I think we repeated in four nights, like maybe eight or nine songs. So <laughs> Damn. it's one of those things you there's their stuff is difficult, but it's not, you know, it's not dream theater or, you know, rush where it's like yeah. insane. It's, it's, it's rock and roll music, you know? So the song kind of, they write such great songs that, it's it you kind of know what part comes next because it's written well so like this part goes into that part naturally and then that part goes to this part naturally so you know it's it's difficult but you know they've been playing these songs for 50 years and i've been a musician for over 30 you know 35 years of my 43 years so you know and and you know i lived in la for a long time as a studio guy and a hired musician and i do a lot of tracks from my home studio for people that I've never met even, you know, that's the kind of new thing, which is great with computers and technology. Like I just get people send me songs that are finished, but they don't have drums. So everything's recorded, you know, to a click track and they just record the whole song. And then they just send it to me and say, Hey, can you put drums on this? And I've never met the person, never probably will, you know, and they just, you send it back to them and hopefully they like it. And if not, they send it back and Hey, can you change this part up? And it's pretty easy to do with computers. So you just go back and cut and paste and send it off, and then they send you an electronic check. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's like drums for hire. Shorts and T-shirt, and you know, do it when my kids are at school or whatever. I don't have to physically go somewhere for eight hours, which you know I, I love that too. I miss that you know being in a studio making music with musicians, which still happens. But you know, it, it's nice to be able to. Just last week, I got sent seven songs by an artist, not a full album, but pretty close to it. And yeah. It took me like. A week to do because I'm like I could only do like one song one day and then the next day I did three because I had more time and, and then you know the kids go to school and I got okay I got two hours before I have to go grocery shopping or, or whatever go hiking so you kind of get to do it at your own pace versus like having to go to the studio for eight hours ten hours and it has to be done today yeah. you know which you miss that human interaction but it's also convenient to, to do these remote tracks but going back to what you're asking is just how do you learn the stuff and a lot of times just recording, you, you write it down, you chart it out. You, and for me, usually by the time I've written it down, it's 
I know it. It's in my head, you know, kind of thing. The, the, the physical act of listening and writing, then I don't really need the chart necessarily. You know, there's some weird stuff here and there, but I, it just, you know, I think that's kind of one of my talents is I can listen to a song in the car and I'll be able to play it with a band when I get to the venue versus having, having to sit down in my drum room and play along. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think everybody's different, but for me, you know, I'm, you know, like I said, it's, most of the stuff I do isn't super intricate, you know, prog rock where <laughs> everything's one bar of five followed by a bar of seven. And then, you know, you know what I mean? Like change of tempos. A lot of it's pretty standard rock and roll or, or just singer songwriter stuff. So if the song is good, it kind of just absorbs into your brain and you just, you remember it. I guess there's musicians that are like self-taught or have taken like lessons. Like, did you uh, just pick it up or um, did you take lessons? I took 12 years of piano lessons and I do play by ear. Like I, I have a pretty good ear. I wouldn't say I have perfect pitch by any means, but I can usually sit down. If I hear a song, I, I know it's probably in C or G, you know, like I can, I, my brain, I, I can figure it out pretty quick. Um, so I took 12 years of piano and then I taught myself guitar and drums. Oh, wow. I've probably taken f maybe five drum lessons in my life and kind of wish I'd taken more because I'd, I'd be more well-versed. But over the years, I've kind of figured things out on my own. Just listen to it, listen to something or now watch YouTube videos, you know, and just you can watch a guy's hands or feet and go, oh, that's how he does that. And oh, he starts starts with the left hand on the on the crash instead of the right. And that's how he got around the drum kit or, you know, that's how you do, you know, marching rudiments and stuff like that. And YouTube's been a, a great thing or Instagram now or whatever you want to say, just to like people post videos all the time and just laying in bed going, oh, okay, that's a cool idea. I'll try that tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I'll try that. If it's during the day, I'll try it today. So mostly self-taught for me. It was, you know, just something I, I just loved as a kid and I still love just listen to music and then go try to play along. You know, I was obsessed with the Black Crows for a while and just, I just put on an album, just play along. You can make mistakes because you're not playing with the actual band. You know, oh, okay, rewind it. I didn't know that, that part was there. And just learn drum fills or just, you know, I play guitar too. So just, and that's easier to practice at night. Kids go to bed and just like sit on the couch and play a, a, a guitar, you know, <laughs> put on a record and just try to learn it. You know, just constantly trying to learn and just, just keep fresh and, and learn new things. You had mentioned earlier you played in a band with your brother and you played shows in Peoria, but you also do that now too, the Nielsen Trust. Yeah, yeah. That was something that kind of happened during, well, it, not, not during the pandemic. It, it started, Cheap Trick had um, a month off, like guaranteed in 2020. And it was just one of those things. I, I, I had played with my brother in a band called Harmony Riley for seven years. And then I'd been playing with Cheap Trick for, at the time, about 10 years. But my brother and, and my dad had never played together. And I'd never played with both of them together. So we knew we had a month off. So we booked like, you know, 10 or 12 shows. And then the pandemic happened after the first two. So <laughs> we had to postpone. But then when it opened all back up, we, we did a little tour of the East Coast and the Midwest. And then we just recently did a, a few more shows. So whenever we're all off and kind of have the time free, which, you know, and my brother is married to a woman named Kelly. She's a singer-songwriter as well, so she's part of the band. So it's just a little family band, and we play all kinds of We play Harmony Riley songs. We play my brother Miles' songs. We play Cheap Trick songs, kind of more like obscure stuff for the most part that, you know, Rick wrote that Cheap Trick doesn't typically play live, kind of, you know, stuff that the fans haven't heard live that we've kind of put our own spin on. And it's mostly just for fun, you know. It's family, so why wouldn't you want to play together? 
if you have the opportunity. And like I said, I played with both of them separately, but now I get to play occasionally with them together. You guys have been on my radar for like a while and I've wanted to come out to a show. And then like while kind of making some notes for this, I even noticed your like debut performance was actually in Bloomington at the castle. Yeah, the castle theater. Yeah, that was actually my, my brother Miles's band, Miles Nielsen and the Rusted Hearts. Uh, the Nielsen Trust did the, the encore. If you, you know, like they played a whole set and then Nielsen Trust came out and played like four songs because at the time we hadn't rehearsed really at all. And it was just, I was still living in Illinois at the time. So it was easier to get together and just rehearse yeah. at, you know, a friend's house or wherever it was. And it, that, that was kind of when the idea came, came about. Like we're all here. Let's just play together. You know, it just had, it's just so happened that Cheap Trick had a, a month blocked off yeah, in March of 2020. So like, let's just, Book some shows just around the Midwest, nothing big, you know, small places, but just play together. It'd be fun. I think people would dig it, and they did. Like I said, I still want to check you guys out sometimes, hopefully. Yeah, I think we're going to do more when when it's all, when the, the, the stars line up. We all have, you know, Miles plays a ton, and Cheap Trick plays a ton, and, you know, it's just not, it's not that, you know, we have to get the, the ball rolling and yeah. book shows that people have time to buy tickets, and, you know, we're not playing somebody's, uh, garage just you know somebody's house or try or trying to actually play for people that will you know come out and see it so it's been good well here's something too speaking of illinois the first time i saw cheap trick i guess i've never seen them like without you in the band and the first time i attended a show was 2015 um, like wrigley field you guys played with the Foo fighters yeah how about that yeah i'm a diehard cubs fan so that was like i always tell people it wasn't a bucket list thing because up until 2012, we'll say, like no bands ever played there. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things. I, it wasn't ever on my radar, like one day I'll get to play Wrigley Field because they didn't do bands up until the PAs got so massive and the giant screens so you could play for 40,000 people. played there first opening for the Zach Brown band and then the second time we got to play there was opening for the Foo Fighters it was just the Foo Fighters <laughs> it was awesome I mean it was just unbelievable the Zach Brown show was beautiful not a cloud in the sky it was 75 80 degrees and then the Foo Fighters show was raining the entire time and cold yeah but like which one was cooler I, they were both they're so memorable because they're so different you know like, well, that's awesome that you got to kind of, you got to play that, like, yeah. stadium. That will never be taken away from me. That was, yeah. like I said, not my bucket list, but it's it's the crowning achievement of my career is playing Wrigley Field. Like, were you kind of, were you kind of nervous or, like, intimidated a little bit? In a, no, in a weird way, playing for that huge of an audience is way easier than playing for, like, 15 people that you can see all their faces <laughs> and all their, like, ooh, they're, like, oh, that was a bad note or... You know, so I didn't like that song. So when there's 40,000 people, it just looks like a sea of people or dots. Ants. Yeah. You're, you're so far away. You're, we're at one end of the stadium. There's people you can't even really, you, you know, there's people there, but it, you don't really, it's not the eye contact thing like you have playing for, you know, in a small bar for mm-hmm. people that you can tell when they're liking it or not liking it. Are there any venues that you, I guess that you like to play or you see on like your itinerary, like, oh man, I'm looking forward to playing here. Yeah. Like I mentioned Red Rocks earlier, that's that's probably the greatest place because it's like this natural 
outdoor amphitheater that was just it's in the middle of this canyon in in denver it's just like a naturally acoustically perfect place they built in the 50s or 60s that the beatles played at and you know zeppelin played and u2 has their famous video for sunday bloody sunday there and you know everybody plays there and it's like that's kind of like you've made it when you've when you've played red rocks but there's some places in europe that are incredible i've never played um royal albert hall which is super famous place in london it's just a you know a, a large theater that you know all the the greats have played and so that'd be like a, a bucket list for me i don't think i don't know that i'll ever do it but you know i see all these videos of sting and he's playing these ancient like greek amphitheaters like it's the seats are still stone blocks you know and it's like from the thousands of years ago like that'd be cool to play these outdoor thousand year old theaters who gets to do whoever gets to do something like that um you reminded me of something i think it was when one of those foo fighters albums came out there was something on pbs and it was like they played at the parthenon yeah exactly yeah Yeah. that that's something like i said i I doubt i'll ever be able to do that but i won't be i wouldn't say no if they asked me to (laughs) (laughs) i guess not even just music related but what else like is on your bucket list that you haven't uh, crossed off. Yeah, I mean it might sound corny, but just raising my kids properly and having a good marriage and yeah. trying to stay healthy and I don't know, being a good person. I don't know. I I like to read, I like to be lazy, I like to do I like to do all kinds of stuff. I I, I don't know. I I never music like I said was my hobby, so just having a career for until I retire would be my that would be my ultimate goal is yeah. pay my bills until I retire if that ever happens we'll see and i'd be happy happy once again yeah i'd be happy on christmas once again i guess you have a christmas album that you recorded with cheap trick and it's a little bit after the holiday but what's your favorite christmas song even just if it was cheap trick or just something else we actually did it on the album. It's that "Please Come Home for Christmas" that the, I guess the Eagles made famous, but yeah. we did our own version of that. That's great. There's a couple English kind of like glam rock Christmas songs we did in that album. Um, I wish it could be "Christmas Every Day." I don't know. We yeah, we did a Christmas album. Most of it was covers. The first song was the Cheap Trick original. We we did like a Ramones Christmas song on there. We did one that like the Jimmy Fallon one. Yeah, I had never I had never heard it, but. Apparently everybody else knew what it was. Because uh, I was gonna say uh, I got a kick out of that one. On yeah, show. so it was it was just fun to do, and it's one of those things. I I told people like if you got rid of the vocals, it would just sound like a cheap trick album. Like it, we made it a cheap trick album, and then the words were obviously, and the melodies were were Christmas standards, if you will. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I like all Christmas songs except for that Mariah Carey one. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good song, but we've all heard it eight thousand times. Yeah. So. What was your favorite song or album of 2023? My wife gets me hip to, to newer music. I'm kind of stuck in the 60s and 70s for the most part, 90s. What's that guy's name? He's like a soul singer, but like a modern soul singer. What's his name? I can't think of it. Sorry. Good good answer, right? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Kings of Leon, but I think their last album came out in like 21, and I love it. It's called Walls. They're my favorite like current rock band but i mean they've been around now for 20 plus years <laughs> they're classic rock at this point i'm mostly a sports radio guy when i'm driving around or <laughs> podcasts at this point 
hate to say it, but yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm mostly a classic rock guy, so the, a lot of the newer stuff I, I try to appreciate, but, you know, it's got such a modern twist, and like I was talking earlier about a song that just kind of writes itself or that makes sense because this goes in that. Like, a lot of the structures these days are so much different than your, your standard song, you know, like verse, chorus, verse, yeah. chorus, bridge, double chorus, you know, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, not that this new stuff doesn't, it, it's just, it doesn't hit me. Nothing's really hit me as much. You know, I try to like the, the um, Harry Styles and I try to like the, the you know, the, the newer stuff, but nothing, I don't know. It, it, it comes from different influences, which, which I think I should be, I need to be more open because my kids are young and eventually I'm going to have to be hip to their, their music, you know, but I don't know, like my influences were from the 60s and 70s and then the early 90s, whereas the new bands, their influences are from the late 90s to the 2000s, you know, yeah. that's 30 years ago at this point, you know, it's, it's wild to think about that the, the 60s were 60 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, there's just so much material, and I, I, not that I'm a, like an old man or anything, but there's just so much material that from the last 60 years that, you know, nobody has enough time to get through all of it, so... I'm still making my way through all my favorite old stuff. Yeah, really. I'm even still, there's still older stuff that I'm discovering for the first time. Like a buddy of mine got me into uh, King's X and I never yeah, listened oh, yeah. to them before. Oh, they're great. Yeah. yeah. They're still around too, I think. Um, Yeah, they just put out an album out 2022, Doug, I think. Doug yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think uh, too of who that uh, soul singer. Leon Bridges. It just yeah, came. that's who I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love his stuff is great. I think he's got two or three albums out now. Leon Bridges is great, and you know, going back to Brandy Carlile, her her stuff is great. People love her, and I still listen to her music when it comes out. I, I, I mean, I liked Amy Winehouse when she was out, but that God, that's twenty years. It's yeah. twenty years now. God, I sound old. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like me. I like music if it's good. I like. I like you know '90s hip hop a lot. I loved Eminem when he was at his prime. You know all the Snoop and Dre stuff, but then the new stuff doesn't make any sense to me. You know, the mumble rap or, the, yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, I sound old, <laughs> but if, if it hits you, it hits you. Whether if, if it's rap or country or new country or anything, if, if, if it makes you feel good, it doesn't, you don't have to like a certain style. So, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a rock guy all the way. I, a lot of stuff, I love Tom Waits. His stuff is mostly piano ballads and, you know, I love Cat Stevens and the Beatles, and but I also love Pantera, and I love <laughs> Brandy Carlisle, and I love Leon Bridges. You know, so there's no particular genre or certain artist that really just kills me these days. But I, I, like I said, I like Kings of Leon's my favorite band of the last 10, 15 years. Oh, cool, cool. And they're three brothers and a, and a cousin. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe family bands. I like family bands. Is there anything that you like collect or have um, collected? Comic books. I like baseball cards. I like drums. I like guitars. Memories, man. No, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I've got so much crap. My wife kills me. She's, I've got like 14 drum sets at this point, probably 10 guitars, and a bunch of like signed baseballs. I'm a big baseball fan. So, I mean, you, you eventually you run out of room, and, <laughs> and you have to get a storage area. And, I mean, a lot of stuff that you collect is, is valuable, whether it's monetarily valuable or just memory-wise. You know, a lot of, I have a lot of autographs from when I was younger. You know, I don't ask for autographs anymore, but when I was just 12 or 13, like, I got Metallica's autograph from when I saw him on the Black Album tour. Oh, you know? wow. Shit. Just, you know, I've got, now I've got to meet a lot of these guys. You know, I'm not going to ask 
I got to meet Jimmy Page once. I'm not going to ask him for an autograph, but we got a picture together, you know? So yeah. that's better than an autograph, in my opinion. But no, I mean, I try to, I've actually tried to get rid of a lot of stuff that I'm never going to use again or that isn't a valuable thing, you know, like my comic book collection is not huge, but, you know, it's worth a couple thousand dollars probably, you know, so I'm not going to just throw that away because I don't read them anymore. Yeah. If I ever needed the money, kids got to go to college or get braces, then maybe I'll think about selling it. But I try not to be a hoarder, and it, I, I actively try not to be a hoarder. I actively try to, to get rid of clothes I'm never going to wear again or, you know, just stuff that's like, oh, I remember that, but am I going to keep it for the next 50 years just because it was something I liked when I was 12? I don't know. <laughs> I'm constantly trying to like downsize stuff but i've got like tons of records in here yeah i got yeah well actually one thing i do is when i tour with bands i try to like um i make friends with everybody i try to make friends with the people i got a a big guitar pick collection and a drumstick collection of like you know we went on tour with skinnerd and so Mm -hmm. i got the drummers drumsticks and i got guitar picks from all the guys in the band and just you know stuff that you can't buy in a store you know that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. Those are my memories, you know, just got a pair of Lars's drumsticks from that 91 tour, you know, just stuff like that, that I'll never throw that away. And that's, that's meaningful and always will be. And, yeah. but no, I'm I'm not much of, I'm not going to buy any cars or, you know, like like, I got a car collection. Like what the hell? Who's got room for it? Or the, I'm restoring this vintage GTO. Like, okay, good for you. (laughs) Glad you have the time. Do you have a favorite, like, vacation destination? Or do you like to travel when you're not, like, obviously, traveling for work? Yeah, I mean, I'm so fortunate that I get to, my job takes me all over the world. The the old joke with a lot of touring musicians is, like, where do you want to go when you get off tour? Like, home. <laughs> I want to go to my house that I, that I pay for and that I don't get to see. But um, I'm actually going next month to Hawaii, going to Maui with my wife and kids. Oh, cool. And, uh my mom and we went last year for the first time and it, i'd never been to hawaii ever on tour or anywhere you know ever and it, it's just magical and like the the ocean the water looks different it's bluer and it's turquoise and, the, and the, the, it's always 75 degrees year round and i like going places like australia or you know japan where it's like kind of far away and especially like japan i guess i've been able to tour there five or six times i like going to a place where people don't look like me, you know, and they don't speak my, they speak, they're, you know, Japanese are super intelligent people. So they speak great English, but their, their native language is Japanese. You know, the food's different there. You know, you go to, you go to England and it's like, well, it's pretty much all the same stuff, you know, a different accent, but everybody kind of looks like me and, you know, they speak English and it's not that much different besides, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if I, if I'm going to go someplace on purpose, you know, on my own, it'd be someplace remote and just a bit different than the States. Yeah, um, it makes sense. Like I said, I mean, I'm not trying to sound, you know, hoity-toity, but I, I get to see every state in the country yeah. every year. It's on tour. So, like, I love going to, I love California. I love, I love the whole Pacific Northwest, you know, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland. I love visiting Tennessee. I love, you know, New York City for three or four days. I could never live there, but just to see like different ways of life and different, you know, paces in New York's just crazy. Everybody's moving at all times and everybody lives on top of each other. But then you go out to like Montana and like, there's no neighbors for 30 miles. <laughs> you know, like it just, there's wild animals roaming around and mountains. And I, you know, I like it all. It's, and I've been fortunate to, to be able to see a lot of it through my job. 
I've never actually been up there in that Pacific Northwest, but oh, it's I'm looking great. forward to going sometime. It's great. You know, Portland's kind of darker, like hipper hipsters, you know, that kind of vibe. And then Seattle's really nice and great food and it's right on the water. And then Vancouver is just, that's Canada, obviously, but, um, but it's still considered the Pacific Northwest and it's just super clean, super, just, it's just wonderful. You know, Canada is just a whole whole different thing than the States. Just like, there's just a, a, I wouldn't say nicer, but more like a more relaxed vibe up there. There's like, as many people in all of Canada as there are in the state of California or something like that. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's just like, it's kind of like Australia too. There's same thing. I think the entire country of Australia has the population of, or maybe less than California, you know, in this giant country. So every, it's just a little slower, a little nicer. <laughs> I got one last question. Cause I know we're getting kind of close to the end. So you mentioned collecting guitar picks and mm-hmm. you've kind of collected stuff from different bands you played with. What's your, Favorite guitar pick that you've ever gotten? It's a good one. Probably Dimebag Daryl from Pantera. Oh, damn. Or I have a Jeff Beck guitar pick. He's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. I didn't get one from Jimmy Page. I don't think he had. He probably didn't keep them in his pocket at the time. <laughs> uh, he wasn't playing a gig. I met him at like a an awards ceremony in, in uh, Japan. There's some funny ones. I got like a Brett Michaels guitar pick, which just makes me laugh. <laughs> it's, got a picture, it's got a picture of him on it. And it's like... <laughs> You show somebody that, and they're like, oh, hell yeah, Brad Michaels guitar pick. You know, um, I don't know. I'm buddies with, like, the guys in, in Foreigner or Billy Gibbons. I got Billy Gibbons' guitar pick from ZZ Top. My favorites are typically, like, the drummer that gets a guitar pick. You know, like, I made my own guitar picks at one point because you can't carry sticks around on you all the time. So, like, <laughs> you give somebody a guitar pick. Well, I got, I'm the drummer, but here it is. Who was it? I have a, a bass guitar pick from... I think it's Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith. He's like, well, I don't use a pick, but I had to make these so I could give them to people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I like the funny ones. You know, it's just it's just a piece of plastic, but at the same time, if you have a memory with it, or if you, you know, if you got it from somebody you, you admire or look yeah, up to, yeah. that's, that, those are the cool things. I actually got one from Chuck Garrick at uh, one yeah. of the uh, Christmas puddings. He's still blanco. Yeah, it looked like they actually made like everybody like i don't know how many there were but like it actually had his face on there with the santa hat so i yeah. wonder if they make them for all the music yeah i don't that probably wouldn't be his his standard guitar pick yeah. i bet they you know they, they go all alice is the greatest they yeah. go all out on making that thing just you know special for everybody that's there yeah i got oh. a, i got a christmas an ornament with his alice is in the, like a picture of him is in the middle yeah <laughs> like just cool oh, stuff cool. like that <laughs> Yeah, they like really do kind of go all out with that, and then even the people spending money out there too—it's crazy. The one I met you at, like some guy, he donated a million dollars. He bought a, he bought a guitar or something like silly for a million dollars. You know, obviously yeah. the guitar's not worth that, but he wanted, he wanted to donate and help the cause. Or actually, it was like it might have been this guy, but there was a guy in front of where my family was sitting, and. uh he was basically almost won like every single item. His hand was going up all the time. Right. right. Yeah, it might have been that guy. Yeah, I think you know, oh, it was a painting, and they they were going to paint the person that bought it. I think yeah. They were going to paint them afterwards. It was like Alice and Cheryl, or I, I forget who who was on the painting. But yeah, it was, you know, it's more about giving the money to the good cause and yeah. what things actually worth. But you know, it, something is worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. So. 
Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad I bumped into you there. It was kind of a yeah, nice surprise. Yeah, great talking to you. And uh, thanks for doing this, too. Absolutely. I hope anybody listening enjoyed it. I, I sure enjoyed myself talking to you, Andy. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, um, it was great to talk to you. Yeah, hope to see you again at the pudding. Well, thank you, Dax. I totally appreciate you doing this, taking this Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Good talking to you, buddy. Hopefully I see you guys out soon, too.